0: This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA.
1: WPHT, WPHT HD, HD3, Philadelphia. Odyssey Station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour, the mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classic. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right, good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on 1210 Talk Radio WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, The Mortgage Mom, Kat Katsaris. How are you, D.N.?
2: I'm doing great, Mark. Just great.
1: Very good. And we're excited to be talking to you every Saturday at 1 o'clock at WPHD Talk Radio 1210. You want to ask us a question about residential, commercial mortgages, give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Dan?
2: My number is 609-605-7153.
1: We're here just to help with your real estate needs because... The media is not talking about real estate in any detail, and you can listen to this show and past shows at our website, goodnewsandrealestate.com and at WPHT's website, awesome. My son ran into somebody at a gas station that listens to our show every week, and she was like talking to him. She thought he was me, <laughs> <laughs> and then she got all into it, and then she called me, and she listens religiously every week. She, That's great, and she gets ticked off when there's a football game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the two people um, that I met when we uh, when my segment comes up.
1: All right. So what, what, what's happening today?
2: So coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with asking Doctor A.
1: Yes, continuing. We series. also have.
2: Yep. We also have Mark's funny story.
1: Got one for you.
2: And our mortgage mom, mortgage mom topic today. Is what? It's what happens in underwriting part two.
1: Behind the secret curtain.
2: (laughs) All right, Mark. We also have our questions. When is a good time to buy a house? Now, (laughs) do I calculate the selling price of my own house? That's a good question. The next question is, how can I sell my house quickly? Good question. And how long until home prices come back down? Uh, Next question is, Should I buy now or wait until I retire? That's a good one. And Mark, today we have our topic of the day, which is always my favorite, and it's the 80-20 rule, and it's not a math problem.
1: Yeah, I figured we'd revisit this.
2: And never, I mean, we should do this on a quarterly basis for sure. Yes. But first, give us your motivational quote.
1: And the motivational quote is, you can Google information, but you can't Google wisdom. (laughs) And that is why people hire real estate agents, because they can Google information, but they can't get that wisdom. That's right. So where are we at?
2: So Mark, we are up to the market report.
1: All right. And there is the bell. So consumer opinion, there was a study just done about the wisdom of buying a home went underwater in April 2021 and continues to sink. Fannie Mae says the question about whether it is a good or a bad time to buy, when it's April 22 National Housing Survey, listed positive responses from only 19 percent of the respondents, while 76 percent said it was not. See, the public has no clue what's going on. None. They none. This well, and this all you is
2: gotta, the, all unless you gotta do we it. can
1: get the whole country to listen to our radio show. I don't right, know where but, they're getting their info.
2: And you know what? Every time I watch Jesse Waters and they go out on the street and they interview people and they ask them about a question, I mean, that just solidifies what you're saying.
1: (laughs) I know. I know. So this resulted in a net positive score of negative 57% down eight points from March and 56% from over a year ago. So the question is one of six from the survey used by Fannie Mae to construct its own purchase sentiment index government. Net positive responses all declined in April, bringing that measure to 68.5, its its lowest level since May of 2020. This is down 4.7 points from March. In the April 21 index, read 79.0. Asking asking corresponding questions about whether it was a good time to sell, 78.2% said yes, down two points from a prior month, and a net positive 51% was up 10 points year over year. So sellers think it's a great time to sell, but buyers are not sure about if it's a good time to buy, according to this survey done by the government. 73% of the respondents expect to continue increases in mortgage interest rates, while only 5% said they would decline. 18% think they'll remain the same. The net of those expecting to lower was down three points for the months to negative 68%. 21 points lower than a year ago. So in April, uh, the SI, what this is called, fell to its lowest level since f- the first few months of the pandemic. pandemic Thank as you. As consumers continue to report difficulty buying conditions amid the budget tightening constraints over inflation, higher mortgage rates, high home prices appreciation, and the current lack of uh, entry-level supply is one of the biggest things in inventory in general. Um, the uptick uptick in the rates is appears to adversely impact potential first time homebuyers in particular I
2: don't I don't agree with that because I was just talking to somebody yesterday and the amount they asked me, you know, what I thought of the market and whatnot. The amount of leads, like we use a tracker and we keep track of how many calls, how many conversions, all of that the amount of leads for the month of May is still on target with where it's been. So that is not, and these are new people calling saying, Hey, I want to get pre-approved.
1: That's right. And it goes back to 19 when everybody that thought that was a terrible year, but more houses were sold in 19 than 18 and more houses were sold in 20 than 19 and more houses were sold in 21 than 20. So,
2: And that's what they're saying. The amount of
1: sales keeps happening.
2: And that's what they're saying. They said, you have to compare the 2022, you have to compare your business to 18 and 19. That's where you're going to be. And I'm totally fine with that. That's amazing. I mean, you know, never had a bad year.
1: No, that's a lot. That's a lot of business. You know, I'm a little concerned about the inflation thing. I think they really don't know what they're doing, but, uh. You know, many consumers expect home prices have peaked with 44% predicting further gains down from 48 in March. 28% think they may even go down. I've actually seen a little more on Facebook of realtors publishing uh, price decreases. Uh, which some people are coming to their senses if the house is worth two, they're asking 250 and they're finally coming to their senses and getting near what where it's going to appraise. That. Right. I, I've been noticing a little more of that, but I'm not seeing a big tick in inventory. There's still 5.2 million homes behind in building. So both these measures of personal finance sentiment moved lower as well. The percentage of respondents who said they are not concerned about losing their jobs in the next one decreased 86% to 84%. The net of those concerned also moved two points lower. And a net of 12% report higher family income than 12 months ago, a 4% monthly decline and the net reporting higher income, however, is up eight percent because there's a lot of people shopping for jobs. Yeah, I mean, there's everywhere, everywhere you go, there's help wanted signs. It's and
2: you like, know what would make a difference, Mark? They the way that underwrite, like the way that Fannie and FHA, the way that they're interpreting this COVID loss of time. Like if people were out of work from COVID, they're 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 calculating it as a loss of income. And it shouldn't be. If somebody was out of work for four months and then went back to work, their year to date of income is going to be low. And it shouldn't be. They should wipe out those four months that they weren't working. And that shouldn't be that shouldn't go against our buyers. No. And if it wouldn't go against our buyers, business would be up.
1: And business wages would be up. up. Wages are up. So Tell right, us me, about the interest rates. Yeah, let me How do are the I?
2: rates. Yep. So your thirty-year fixed conventional, five point three seven five. Again, we're at a window of like five and a quarter to five and a half, depending on the day. Your fifteen-year fixed four point six two five. Your FHA thirty uh, years at five percent, um, and your ARMs are at four and a half percent. So I yeah. mean, the rates are still great. It's a great time to refinance. Take some equity out of your property invest it you know now's a great time to invest with everything being down
1: no doubt about it all right and there are good rates because historically rates are 8 to 12 percent so if you're at five you're at a, yeah that's a great rate you're at a great rate yeah so we'll see what happens with the rates down the line so with that you're listening to good news in real estate here on talk radio 1210 wphd all positive all the time we'll be right back
0: On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Casares and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, not here for our profit, here for yours.
1: All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, all positive, all the time. So we are at at, end.
2: So Mark, we are up to your funny story
1: so i got one for you so there's this realtor named larry right and he wanted to be a broker and own his off his own office and we tried to talk him out of it but he wouldn't listen i told him you know why don't you just build a team under somebody else's umbrella and you won't have to go off through that expense and but he didn't listen anyway gets his name and lights opens his own office months later he's in trouble he goes goes to see his priest because he's so depressed he says i just can't take it anymore Tells the priest. He goes, no matter how hard I try, I just can't seem to keep bread on the table. And Larry is listening closely. He goes, Larry, listen closely to what I'm going to tell you, said the priest. And he says, go to a quiet place outdoors where you can spend some time with the Lord. Sit down with your Bible in front of you and let the wind turn the pages. Close your eyes and think about the Lord. And when you open your eyes, you'll see what the Bible is open to. And there you will find the message. So three months goes by. Later, the priest is walking up the church steps, and he spots Larry speeding by in a brand-new Lexus. And Larry screams to the priest, and the priest goes, what happened? He goes, let me hear your story. He goes down to the car. Larry says, it was just like, as you said. He said, I sat in a quiet place. I closed my eyes. I had the Bible. The wind blew. I op- It opened them, and the answer was right in front of me. It opened at Chapter 11. <laughs> <laughs> That's good So then Larry was on another spending spree <laughs>
2: <laughs> If you have a funny story Send it to 8029 At Comcast.net Or give us a call at
1: 267-266-5501 Now it's time for the Mortgage Mom segment With Deanne Katzaris From Green Tree Mortgage And her topic is What is happening in Underwriting Part 2
2: So Before we get into this, I want to, I was in Atlantic city and I was at a restaurant. Um, my husband and I, we were sitting at the bar. We were waiting for friends to come in and meet us, um, for dinner. And so we're just sitting at the bar and there's these two elder gentlemen sitting across the bar, literally no one else there. And the guy says to me, are you Jennifer Gray? You know, the girl from dirty dancing. And, and I said, no, I'm her sister. And he goes, Oh, you're a celebrity. And I said, no, I said, I'm not, I'm not her sister, but I am a celebrity. And he says, really, what do you do? I said, I have a radio show. He says, no way I'm in radio. I said, yeah. I said, um, it's called good news in real estate. And he says, yeah, that's on WPHT. He goes, I listen to it all the time.
3: <laughs> so funny. if you're
2: listening out there, hello. <laughs> all right. So, um,
1: we're, Tell us what's happening in underwriting. Right, So last week
2: we talked about, you know, what an underwriter does, um, things like that. So they, we also said, you know, how long can it take? So that's where we're up to, you know, how long does the underwriting process usually take? And the actual underwriting process can be done in a day. It's making sure that you get all your documents ahead of time. So the sooner you get all of the necessary documentation you know, to your loan officer, the sooner you can be underwritten. So it's extremely important to make sure you get all the requested documentation in a timely manner. The quicker you get your docs, the quicker we can get you to the table. Now, what?
1: And they just basically, they basically go down a checklist, correct? And just make sure everything's correct. checked off.
2: But but they also right. look at the your situation. So, you know, for instance, if somebody's Yeah, it it is a checklist, Mark, but it's all the pieces kind of have to tie together. And if there's something missing, then we got to get that for them. So, you know, again, the underwriter is basically evaluating your finances and your past credit decisions. So during underwriting process, they're going to look at the four key areas that can give them more of a complete picture of exactly who you are. And one of them is your income. And the underwriter needs to know that you have enough income to cover your mortgage payments every month. I mean, I have people that say, you know, I don't make a whole lot of money, but I have three hundred thousand dollars in the bank, so I should be able to get a mortgage with no problem. And that's not true because you, it's all about the ability to repay. You could go back to Atlantic City and put it on black and lose everything, that's right? right? So, exactly. in order to do this, you need to you need to provide three types of documents to verify your income. W-2s from the past two years, your most recent bank statements, and your two most recent pay stubs along with your complete tax returns. And if you're self-employed if you're self or you own a sizable share in a business, you're also going to need to furnish a couple different documents. In lieu of the W-2s, you're going to need profit and loss statements for year to date. You're going to need K-1s, and then you're also going to need your personal and your business tax returns. And the underwriter is going to ma- make sure that this income matches the income that you report with the IRS and also verify your employment situation with your employer. So we send out a verification of employment to make sure um, if you have bonuses, if you have overtime, if, and if your position is likely to continue. The next thing that happens is getting an appraisal. An appraisal are almost always required when you purchase a home and they perf- they pr- provide protection for both you and the lender because it ensures you are only borrowing what the home is actually worth. Now, in today's market, right. we know what's going on with that. People are paying 10, 15, 20, sometimes even $30,000 over what the appraised value is.
1: I heard I heard a 90 90- I heard one guy on Facebook, 90000 That's ridiculous. Yeah,
2: I hear price. it all the time.
1: But then a lot of times they're not going to appraise. So.
2: Exactly. And then they have to come to the, the table with the difference. So,
1: Or split the baby and work they out They don't something. do that
2: anymore. There's so many offers that are on the table that there's no splitting the baby. Yeah. They just go on to the next one and whoever's willing to make up that gap. So now keep in mind, an appraiser is different than a home inspector because an appraiser is going to inspect the property, walk through the home, take pictures and measurements in order to evaluate the condition and the features of the home. The appraiser compares similar properties by looking for homes in the similar location with the similar size and similar features. Now, these are what we call comparables, also known as comps. And they need to have solid, I'm sorry, they need (laughs) To have been sold within the past six months and be within a mile of the property, unless you live in a rural area. Yeah,
1: they can be, they can use pendings if the damn agent will answer the phone, and they can use actives if there's no salts, because there's some areas where nothing's sold. Like some people are just sitting on them. So they sometimes are right. forced, to, they can use actives, pendings, as salts. They don't like to do that, but if
2: they take it into consideration. Right, they to, if they there's take nothing it into that consideration. Compare it to
1: you gotta use some guys, use something.
2: Right. Right. Mark, the next piece of it is credit. An underwriter also evaluates your credit score, and your credit score shows the underwriter how responsible you are when you pay back debt. So a good credit score shows that you pay back your debts on time and can also help you qualify for a lower interest rate. So The minimum credit score you'll have to have depends on what type of loan you're applying for. So an FHA loan, the minimum right now since COVID is a 620. And depending on how for a conventional loan, you can go as low as a 650, but it's going to depend on how much, how many assets you have, how much money you have, um, in your checking savings or 401k. So the underwriter looks at your income. Um, what you owe what you want to borrow to determine your debt to income ratio and your your debt to income ratio is the total amount that you spend on bills and expenses each month divided by your monthly gross which is pre-tax income mm-hmm. so they they generally want to see it below 50 but with an FHA loan I mean we can go as high as 56.9 percent
1: that guy uh, one thing you uh, mentioned is 650. I thought conventional yep. was what I just the raising them now? Because it was six twenty. No.
2: no, it's never been six twenty on a conventional. On FHA, yes, but not on a conventional. $650? Yep. Nope. Right. Yep. And that's hoping that you can get mortgage insurance. So I mean, probably back when you started, <laughs> like in the nineteen sixties, yeah. it might have been that low. Yeah.
1: I remember not that so, long ago, it only had to be a five eighty.
2: Well, that was since COVID. Yep. So that was for an FHA loan. You could do that. Um, but since COVID and the risk, it's that's not available anymore. Yeah. So there's other assets, um, there's other things that the underwriter does, but we didn't we don't have time to go through them anymore. So um let's get into our well, questions We're gonna take a break and answer. and then
1: we'll come back to that. So
2: you know what? Let's take all a break. Right. That was a good topic.
1: There was a lot of information in that. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on 1210 WPHT. All positive, all time. We'll be right back.
0: Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All right, welcome back to Good News and Real Estate here on twelve ten
1: WPHT, all positive, all the time. So, uh, where are we at? We're at our questions, correct?
2: We are at our questions and answers. So, what's the first one? We actually have a question um, from Eileen, and she is a realtor, and we've been friends for many, many years, and she's also one of my favorite realtors to work with. So. Her question was, I should say is, should should a buyer wait until they retire to buy a home or should they do it now?
1: That's a good question. It is
2: a good question. And you know what? It really, it depends because if you're going to receive a pension and you're going to receive social security, let's find out what that amount is going to be and make sure that's within your budget and within your purchasing power. And we also need to show that you're actually receiving it, not that you're going to receive it. So you have to have received it for at least a month. So if you're not going to retire for six months from now, I would say I would do it while you're still employed. Right. Okay. But again, it's a, so it's a conversation that you need to have so that you can decide what's best going to fit their needs.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to buy something and then your pension and your social securities right. is like half of what you earn. Right. And then you retire and now you're and now you're pool.
2: struggling. Yep. Exactly.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I would have a plan for that.
2: Yep. All right. Question yeah. number two When is a good time to buy a house? When I, I think and I well I think
1: I think what they mean is like spring fall that kind of question
2: you know what my now, answer to this is as soon look, as you're pre-approved
1: right because there is no seasons anymore no i mean i mean there. even like some of the real estate people out there still talk about like slowing down i remember years ago when i first got into business man once october hit around halloween the, the real estate agents would kind of slow down and I think their industry slowed down because they slowed down, and they kind of just cruised through October, November, and December, waiting for the new big year. Right. And then they'd all, and then they'd all do their business plan on New Year's Eve. You know, I would start they had their twitching. Champagne.
2: I would start twitching. There's no way I could take off two months. I would just and feel the way, like I'm out of. Business. And first
1: of all. You're supposed to do your business plan for the upcoming year in October. Right. That's when you do it. When you look back at what took what happened and what's your plan for the upcoming year. You don't do it in December. You do it in October. So you really plan the damn thing out. But buying wise and selling wise, I think the season stuff's almost over. I mean, you know, yeah, there's a little more activity in the spring. But like I don't see it slow down like it used to in the old days yeah. around Christmas time. Like this it was like booming during the holiday seasons this year.
2: Yeah, agree. So
1: it was like I you it's know always I think a good any, time to buy. And it, right now it's a great time to buy. Yep. So and sell it's the best time ever. So yeah, what's the second one?
2: All right, we're on the third one. Um do I calculate the selling price of my home?
1: Do they or or how do I no, guess? It they says, mean how "Do I? Do. do
2: I have to calculate the sale price of my home?" And the answer to that is no. You're going to sit down no, you sh- with an agent. You should
1: Hire an agent,
2: right? And let them show you, like I just talked about.
1: What are the? It's not that. Yeah, it's not that complicated, though. I mean, like if they know, but you know, what a lot of people they don't even look at their mortgage statements. So if you look at your mortgage statement, you know, you you kind of know what you owe. And then there's going to be some other closing costs and some other stuff that's, you know, going to be included. Transfer tax if you're in Pennsylvania and as Philadelphia.
2: But the selling price, Mark, the selling price is going to be based on what's selling in your area. Right. Based on your features and your bedrooms and your number of bathrooms and the condition of your house.
1: Apples to apples. So. Apples, to apples So,
2: to answer that question, um, the answer is no, and you need to hire an experienced agent. Do you know one?
1: Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can actually help you with that. All right. I can come in and with a piece of paper, I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what we should price it at, and I'll tell you it's going to sell pretty All quickly.
2: Right. All right.
1: And then what's the next one? Look at that the question. Next question
2: How can I sell my house quickly?
1: Well, you know what? It's not as simple as it. Well, you list it for one. Don't do it for sale. That's, that's going to be. Don't do it for sale by owner because even if it no. you do get some buyers right away, you're going to lose money. You're going to net more if it's listed with an agent. So, but a couple of simple things, you know, try to go through your house as objectively as you can as a, a buyer would. And take a look around at the clutter and stuff on the walls and everywhere in your house that, you know, first impressions are lots of impressions. You know, like me, I'm a high D. I'm not very observant. I can walk by something all the time and not even notice it. And but like some you bring some
2: that's what you Terry bring says. some real
1: estate agent in and they're gonna pick <laughs> things out right away. And then, you know, the the refrigerator covered with pictures of the kids and all that. You know, they don't even think about that kind of stuff. So you I, I if you want to sell it quickly, price it right and make it show right and it'll sell very quickly. Okay.
2: All right, question number five.
1: And that's all I will to say about that.
2: Until home prices come back down.
1: I don't know. I, I think we're looking at I don't, I
2: don't think, think they're so coming down.
1: Not not no. not, not in twenty two. Like there's some Facebook people out there saying, and maybe some places in the country and some neighborhoods might have something going on, but generally prices are still appreciating. And, and this lack of inventory, unless all of a sudden somehow magically they get another 5 million houses on a market, which is going to take time because they just added a whole mess of new re- regulations about building, building everything. Building houses, building, putting on solar panels, building wind tunnels, drilling for oil. They just added tons and tons of regulations on all the industries. So it's going to slow everything down. So, uh, you know, I don't see them coming down in any time. Maybe end of
2: 22. I don't know. If inflation gets really bad, I mean, it's maybe. it's really hard to tell. But. I mean, you want to have your finger on the, you know, on the pulse with the market. You want to be able to guide all of your buyers and your people, and you want to give them, you know, info <coughs> information. Thank you. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> but um, it's hard. It's really hard to because every day things are changing. Every day.
1: Yeah, look at the people that play the stock market. They're like oh they're trying God. to guess. Guess when they hit the bottom? Guess when they hit the top? You know, it's nobody has a crystal ball, Uh but the one thing you know for sure is if you sell now, you're going to get a top dollar. Right. I don't know if you're going to get top dollar in 23, but you're going to get top dollar right now. Yep. So, you know, deal with the, you know, how far out you think you can see, but who's got a crystal ball that can tell what's going to happen in 23?
2: Yep. All right. So they were great questions, and thank you, everyone, for sending them in. Thank you, Eileen. Um, coming up next is going to be our topic of the day, and the it's the 80-20 rule, Mark, and it is not a math
1: not problem. not a math problem. So with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive, all the time. We'll be right back.
2: So Mark, we are up to the topic of the day, which is my favorite, and it is the 80-20 rule, and it's not a math problem.
1: Yeah, actually, i seen an agent post something about this. Did a little video uh, about staying in the 20%. Didn't get into a lot of detail, but I said I I teach this all the time. In the 80-20 rule, it's not a math problem. 80% of the output comes from 20% of the input. That is basically a summary of the Pareto Principle. Pareto was a philosopher back in the 14th century, and he figured out that 80% of the wealth in Italy was controlled by 20% of the population, and then he started looking at everything else in life, and everything in your life has the 80-20 rule attached, including your social life. Now, when I teach this in the schools, and I teach this in every class in my real estate school, like in a social situation, you know, I tell them, say you have a party at your house, and you invite... All your friends, you email them, you text them, you message them on Facebook, whatever. And then you get the house ready, you clean the house, you get the food ready, the drinks ready, and they all show you off for four to six hours. Usual party, right? If you sat down and actually figured out how many minutes made that thing all the way worthwhile to you, and they figured it out because you're still the host, you're doing stuff, and it comes to about an hour or an hour and a half or a half hour, made it all worthwhile to you. That was the 20% of it. And then everybody leaves and you're back in the 80%. This is the way I explain it. So in your business, the 20% gets you all the business. The 80% is working on the business. So like in real estate, for real estate agents, showing houses, going on a listing appointment, sending out emails, calendars, postcards, flyers, making phone calls, sending texts, whatever, it's all 80%. The 20% is what gets you the buyer or the seller. The rest of it is all just the busy work until you get the settlement. It's not rocket science. But how you stay in the 20% is you attach a dollar amount to it. How much are you worth an hour? So how you figure that out is in any in any business you're involved in, you figure it out it is what you netted last year on your tax returns. If, or you could use your gross if you want it. But what I tell the students that are getting real estate license, if you want to make a hundred thousand in real estate in your first year, then you take a hundred grand, divide it by fifty-two by forty. That makes you worth forty-eight dollars an hour. So then I tell them, let's just round it off to fifty bucks. So now, after you pass your test and you join a company, consider yourself worth fifty dollars an hour. So every time you're doing stuff that's not getting you toward that goal of making a hundred grand, answering emails. Uh, answering texts, posting stuff on Facebook, sending out letters, sending out postcards—whatever you do in your business, you know you own a car wash, washing the cars. Like getting the cars to come to your car wash is what is the twenty percent. Washing a damn car is it? You already got the customer. That's a good analogy. Getting, yep. getting the customer—it's the same with restaurants and small business owners, uh, hair salon people. I get a lot of business owners that take real estate courses and, and it's really worthwhile for them to understand this because once you got a dollar amount, so now you're sitting around answering a bunch of emails that you open up. Like I just opened up mine. I must add 180 of them and I'm just shifting delete to the one I want to read, shift, delete to one I read. And somebody's spending a whole mess of time sending me a really fancy email <laughs> that they might have spent hours on designing and this at $50 an hour where maybe they could hire somebody for $12, $15 an hour to do that work, and they stay in the 20%. It's Once there's a dollar amount attached to it, it starts to make a lot more sense. Like, my, You have a number. I have a number. My number is 225. Now, if a broker calls me up and they want to hire me as a coach, I say 225 an hour. If they go 225 an hour, I'll negotiate. But there's a number. So then when I catch myself screwing around, answering stupid emails, or like having a meeting with my bookkeeper or my accountant, that kills me. I'm sitting there thinking, this is supposed to be 200 bucks an hour plus I'm paying them. You know, <laughs> do you really need me at this meeting? Or I'm teaching. I go in and do a free coaching session in my classes. And while I'm teaching, I miss five 499 phone calls. That's 2500 hours. you know. And I'm in the 80%. And I tell the students, I am now in the 80%. But I'm doing this as to give back. Because I believe in giving back. But to get back to the rule, you know, you got to start eliminating stuff that you can get rid of for like $12, $15 an hour. You know, like you. You should not be cleaning your own house. You hire somebody to do that. It's probably costing Deanne $200 an hour to clean her house. Now, hire a professional assistant. You know that ninety percent of the realtors in the country do not have an assistant. That means they all they all want to have their mitts on every little thing. Oh, nobody can do it as good as me. <laughs> you know, I remember telling you that thirteen years ago. Yep. And look and look how many how many assistants you got now? Five. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's like, and I'm in the same boat. I got a couple assistants, and so so like you hire somebody to do all that little stuff, and it keeps you in the twenty percent. For sure. And when you're in the and when you're in the twenty percent, there's a lot of benefit. You make a lot more money. You have more time on your hands. Like I was, like I, I was talking off the air with Deanne about my doctor. I've been trying to convince my doctor to hire another doctor, and he has all the excuses. Oh no, what well is liability and this and that. Yeah. Leverage saves you time, makes you money and then you don't feel gu- I don't feel guilty about relaxing. If I have nothing to do at two o'clock in the afternoon, I don't feel guilty. I'm out of that running around like a lunatic, but I'll be into 20% and when you're in 20%, things cross your plate and things happen. you know It's awesome. Like Ern- Ernest Hemingway wrote one time, you do your best work in the- in the morning when you first get rolling. Yep. And then, and that's why I do. Most of my lead generation between 6 and 12. Awesome. But it's something that you got to keep in the back of your mind. Print out a 80-20 and hang it on your wall. And figure out how much you're worth an hour. And then you'll start thinking about bit your business differently. Awesome. That wasn't even near the script. But I, know. <laughs> but I teach that so much. All right. Because I believe in it.
2: I know you do. And, and you should. It's awesome. So, Mark, coming up next is going to be our segment with Dr. A, and he is going to talk about rules to flourish as a
3: hybrid work team. So, Dr., how are you? I'm doing marvelous, Mark. How are the two of you guys doing? We're very good. So, we're going to continue with our series
1: on working with teams. And our last one was rules to flourish as a And a high-breeding work team, correct?
3: Yes, and we're going to look at that again as far as a hybrid work team is concerned. And last time, well, the last two times we looked at, there are actually seven rules I want to to, uh, share with everybody. We've talked about the need to communicate. We've talked about the need to promote openness of ideas. Today, I want to talk about the need to build trust. And what's really interesting is the easiest way to build trust is something that we've already talked about, and that is to communicate. So how I like to express this is to build trust, you need to communicate, you need to communicate, and then you need to communicate more because that is the best way to build trust is Is to talk to people and let them know what's going on. And for sure, uh, another aspect of this is you don't want to promise something that you're not sure you can That's deliver. A, <laughs> a lot of people... T- huge mistake. Um, and because there's some people who get really offended when you promise something that you can't deliver, it's always better to under promise and over deliver than it is to over promise and under deliver. So I like to make it a habit of, of under promising, but that under promise also has to meet some standard or some expectation or some goal.
1: That's a good point because, you know, and communicating that, Is you know, especially with the S's and C's, they they want to know why and where this is going. What's the win for them?
3: Right, and and if especially for the S's, if you don't, um, if if you if you promise something that you don't deliver, they're not going to trust you in the future. And trust is something that in a lot of cases, takes years and years to fully develop and you can lose it in seconds. So it's really important that you don't over promise. Uh, and it's OK to tell people what the constraints are. You know, if this happens, it'll probably take this amount of time. If that happens, it'll probably take this amount of time. Or I'm working on these different projects. Do you want me to reprioritize things so I can get this one that you just gave me done sooner. So the idea here is you need just be open um and communicate effectively what is going on. The other aspect, you know, re- regarding, you know, this this trusting is 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 tr- I recommend never promising anything. Say you have a goal or there's the possibility or I will work on it and I will work my hardest on it, but if you promise, there's things that are going to go on in your life that might interfere with your ability to meet a promise. In other words, you may have initially felt very secure that you're going to be able to deliver this, so you promise you're going to do it. But then something happens in your world that messes up your timeline or gets in your way, and then you can't deliver on the promise, and it's not even your fault. It's somebody, something else. So that the bottom line is to build this trust, communicate, 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 and to... The best that you can, don't promise anything, but talk to people so they know what to expect and what you're working on and what your intent is.
1: I bet you a lot of that went on during COVID, you know, because that came on as a shock. March yes. 16th of 2019, and all of a sudden we were all closed.
3: Yep. So everything you promised was down the chute. For sure. And But people would be more forgiving in those types of situations, but in the regular situations, they wouldn't be. So if people want to learn more about – these different hybrid rules, all they need to do is contact me at Abelson, A-B-E-L-S-O-N at abelson.net, or just go to our website at abelson.net. So next week, we're going to talk about what on this series? Yeah, we're going to talk about the need to respect others, and maybe we'll get into number five, which is demand accountability.
1: Thank you, Dr. Abelson. And any business out there, you, used to, you, used to, you need to use the Abelson tools. And stop making mistakes on hiring. So thank you, doctor.
2: Thanks,
3: Mark and Deanne. Catch you guys later.
2: All right. And if you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at comcast.net or give him a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at Deanne Katsaris at comcast.net or check out my website at mortgagemom.net or give me a call at 609 605 7153.
1: And a special thanks to all of our listeners. And I had a listener listener run into my son this week and that was cool. And then she called me. Very faithful listener. I want to thank her on the air for tuning in every week and our sponsors for keeping us on the air all these years, 13 years. And you can follow us every week at one o'clock on Saturday and listen to our past shows at com. And with that, Have a great Memorial Day weekend.
2: Yep, we wish everyone a safe and great holiday.
1: I'm Mark Cumberland.
2: I'm Deanne Kitsaris, your mortgage mom.
1: You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All All positive, positive, all the the time. time.
0: Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.